Matthew 13 is where we're going to be as we continue in our series on parables, the parables of Jesus. Real quick, this is our, our, our kids' service, seems to be. And so, kids, y'all help me out. I'm going get, get to your, get your jitters out of the way. Kids, stand up for me. Stand up, kids, back there. All right? I'm going to teach you a song that's going to be relevant. Y'all do this for me. Say, the fruit of the Spirit is not a banana. Eden, I didn't see you do the banana. Say, the fruit of the Spirit is not a banana. Brooklyn, say the fruit of the Spirit is not a banana. Oh, y'all are letting me down. That was bad. Lewin, you did a good job. Good job. All right. Okay, that was great. Okay, so um, Eden, will you come help me out real quick? Come here. I don't need you. <laughs> but you can come too, Scarlett. Come on, Eden. Come here. Hurry, run. Run! Don't trip and fall. Come here. Okay. I don't have a mic for you, but tell me, tell me, why do birds not eat monarch butterflies? Because they taste bad. Isn't that crazy? How many monarch butterflies do you think birds had to eat before they learned that? One? Okay, okay. Now, Scarlett, I don't know if you know this. Do you know, oh, there's a mic. Here we go. Look at that. Nathan for the win. All right, come here. Do you know, what is the other butterfly called that makes himself look like a monarch so he won't be eaten? Do you remember that one? Uh, no, I don't even remember that one. You don't remember that one? It's called a viceroy. A viceroy. Thank <laughs> you. Good job. All right, y'all go sit down. Thank you. Bye, Scarlett. So we've been learning about nature, and my wife's been bird watching, and we've been doing all this stuff in our backyard, learning about all the animals out there. And one of the things we learned is that monarch butterflies, uh, birds won't eat them because they taste bad, and that there's this other butterfly called the viceroy that looks like a monarch, and so birds won't eat it. Its defense mechanism is to look like something else. And the whole point is, is that sometimes it's hard to tell what's real and what's not. It's hard to tell what is and what isn't just by the look of things. Let's read Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 3. The words of our God say this. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withdrew away. They withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on the good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus tells this parable, and remember, parables are earthly, kind of common knowledge things, elements, that are communicating something about the kingdom of God. In this story, there are three elements. You have the sower, the guy throwing the seed. You've got the seed itself. And you've got the soil, okay? The sower is the guy who is preaching the gospel or sharing the gospel. The seeds are the gospel. The seeds are the good news of Jesus. And the soil is the human heart that receives the gospel. Recently, some church members uh, came over to our house and they helped us plant some flowers so we could get some more butterflies to come by. And um, 
they planted some normal flowers that we can see, but then we planted some seeds dug a hole put some seeds in there and some magical special stuff that's supposed to make it grow and it's been about a month and we've been watching and waiting and recently I saw this little bitty green sprout and as I looked at it I thought I have no idea if this is the plant that's supposed to be growing there or if this is just a weed or a piece of grass and so it's hard to know and I still don't know and I think in the same way sometimes we can look at people we can look at friends family loved ones co-workers whoever neighbors and look and say is that a Christian or is that just somebody who believes in God? Is that a Christian or is that somebody who is already over it? Is that a Christian or is that someone just going through a phase? It would be an astonishingly scary number, I think, to learn throughout church history how many people the church has baptized and brought into membership, people who are not, who turn to be genuinely believers. Jesus tells us this parable to give us this simple tool. When we look at someone, how do we know if they truly belong to his kingdom? How do we know if someone truly belongs to God? In this parable, the sower throws seed all over the place. He's got seed everywhere. There's four soils. We're going to look at each soil and see what is different and see how only one of them produces the desired result. And all of them, the seed doesn't change, the sower doesn't change, only the soil changes. And I think the point there is this, that it is the state and posture of the human heart which will determine its ability and readiness to receive or reject the gospel. So let's look at each of these soils and understand that verses 18 through 23, which we did not read, Jesus actually comes back and explains the parable for us. So verse 4 says, And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. When I read this, my mind immediately goes to uh, like a a sidewalk, like a concrete path, right? Um, But obviously they didn't have that in this time. And so what he's talking about is how the farmer actually in his field would have had a place probably along the side of his field where people just walk through and use it as a path. And as they walk through over the years, all these footsteps hardened the soil around the edge of the field. And so the reason the farmer is throwing seed over there is to begin to reclaim part of his field. And here's the point Jesus is making. Sometimes the gospel, is, when it is shared, it falls on, uh, on ears and hearts that are as hard as a path worn down by 10,000 footprints. That though they hear the gospel over and over again, they are completely shut off to it. They don't understand it. They don't want to hear it. They want nothing to do with it. Their heart has grown resistant and hard against the things of God. A hardened heart is a heart completely shut off and closed to even considering the things of God. Now, there are many ways to become hardened to the gospel, but the one I want to emphasize and, and talk about that I think we uh, particularly at this time and this place, struggle with is a people group that we've labeled the D Church. These are people who have grown up in church, who uh, grew up in church their whole lives, oftentimes, or they know about Christianity, they've been in church, they grew up in youth group, all these things, and yet for some reason have walked away. And now they are hardened against the things of God. They're, they're oftentimes, They think they understand the message of the gospel, but in reality, they don't. They were told to to just just walk an aisle, just say a prayer, just raise your hand. 
Just ask Jesus into your heart and everything will change. And when they saw that it didn't, they left. There have been people who have left because they were hurt by churches, hurt by the infighting and the bittering, the bitterness and the and the the petty fights that churches have over the color of the carpet and other things. They saw that those that were supposed to love them and said gossiped about them and hurt them. And so they look at the church now and they say, yeah, I don't want anything to do with that. I know all about the church and I really don't want nothing to do with it because I see how broken it is. So I'm going to have to be a little coded here, but there's a, someone I've recently come in contact with who, uh, in my life who um, is it, this situation, grew up, was in the youth group, played in the youth band, was all about church until recently, uh, or, or we got married, he, he read a book and walked away from the faith. And now to reach him, he's got a hardened heart. He knows too much. He knows the church. He knows the things of God. He knows all the answers and is hardened against it. To the first soil that Jesus brings up is the hardened heart. Hearts that are resistant to the gospel. The second soil is the rocky soil. And the point with this one, though, is that you, you can't immediately tell that this soil from good soil. Because when you look at the dirt, it looks fine, it looks good, it looks like normal dirt, it looks great. But when the seeds go in and they grow, you see a little, you see green come up, right? You see a plant begin to grow. And you get excited, you're like, yes, it's growing. But the reason that it grew so quickly was because it had nowhere to go down because there were rocks underneath. And so it couldn't grow any roots, so instead it grew up really quickly. And it looks good. It's exciting. Oh, yes, our plant is growing. But as soon as the sun comes out, as soon as it gets too hot, it can't take the heat and it shrivels and withers and dies. You see, it is easy to mistake a decision for Christ as a true conversion. It is easy to mistake a decision for Christ choosing something as a true conversion. There have been tons of people who get really excited about Jesus or who care about the things of God only to lose interest when things got hard or inconvenient. When trials come, when God didn't answer their prayers the way that they thought he should, when God let bad things happen, they said, you know what, I'm done. And I really think this is due to what we've called easy believism. This idea really kind of started during the second great awakening it really continues to say, think about this. We can fill up stadiums full of people. We can play some cool music. We can give them an inspiring message of the love of God. We can, or scare the snot out of them talking about how they're going to go to hell. And we can tell them that if you'll just walk this aisle or pray this prayer or check this box or raise your hand or do this or do that, then all that will go away. We don't follow up. We don't disciple them. We don't help them understand the gospel. We don't tell them. We don't say, hey, this is really going to be really hard. Make sure you want to do it. Count the cost. We don't do any of that. We just make it easy. And we think about it. We never see Jesus do that. Like Jesus never one time said, hey, guys, uh, uh, just, just pray this, just say these words, and it's going to be really easy, and just come follow me. Jesus all the time is saying, listen, you better count the cost, because if you want to find your life, you have to lose it. You want to follow me? It's going to cost you everything. It's going to be the hardest thing you'll ever do. It'll be worth it. It'll be fulfilling but it'll be incredibly difficult. I could fill up this room with kids on VBS, play a fun little kid's song, 
talk to the kids about heaven, about how Jesus loves them. And I could say to every one of them, who wants to go to heaven? They would all raise their hand. See? They'd all raise their hand. And I could baptize every one of them. And in a few years, they would, some would prove to be believers and others would prove not to be. A friend of mine went on a mission trip to Africa and there was about 20 of them and we were praying for them, excited for them. And when he got back, I said, hey man, how did it go? He said, man, it was so great. 1,500 people got saved. I said, what? And as I had to push into that, realizing that's just some data that they got, but 1,500 people didn't get saved. But that when you go to a poor country and you say, hey, if y'all come listen to us talk about Jesus, we'll give you food, we'll give you glasses, we'll give you water, we'll fix your house. People come out of the woodwork to get those things. Yeah, I believe in Jesus, yeah. I'm going to get some food. You see, it's easy to get excited about Jesus, but if there is no root and no new heart, no conversion, then it simply will not last. When life gets hard, when Jesus lets them down, from their perspective, they'll simply walk away. And I think this is, I think George Whitfield sums it up the best. Uh, he was a preacher during the second grade or first grade awakening. The masses would come hear him preach. Everyone wanted to come hear him preach. And so uh, he's, he preaches to all these people around the country. One night he gets asked this question. Mr. Whitfield, how many people do you think got saved tonight? And he answered, we will find out in a few years. There's no way to tell right now. People are saying they believe. They're saying the right things, but we'll find out in a few years. See, Jesus has given us a warning. Be cautious when people come to faith because only time will tell if there are roots or if it's just a quick shoot that, the, that trials and tribulation will make run away. Do they have roots or not? So there are hard hearts that the seeds of the gospel don't even hardly get through, but then there are superficial hearts that grow up really quickly, get excited about Jesus, but there's no roots, and so they fall away. The third soil is the thorny soil. It's similar to the, to the previous one, the rocky soil, and that the plant actually grows but it's not heat or trials that kill the plant, it's thorns. Now notice the language of the text. It says, when the thorns grew up. See, this farmer didn't go throw seeds in a briar patch. Right? That's not what he did. He threw seeds where he thought they would grow, but there also seems to be seeds of thorn bushes that fell along with it, or they were under the dirt he didn't notice there, because they grew up with our plant. And here's what happens. There is this slow, gradual choking that is unknown to us until it is too late. You see, this our plant is beginning to grow and the thorns are beginning to grow and now they're at competition with one another. Only one plant can live here. It's going to be the thorns or it's going to be our plant. And as they grow together, they are in competition. They fight one another. And the thorns went out. There's this slow, gradual choking. You see, with this heart, when having to choose between Jesus or the things and pleasures of this world, the world wins out. You see, people are willing to say, you know what, I think Jesus is great and, and I want to have Jesus and I'll put him in this corner of my life. He, Jesus, you can have this little spot, right, this little bitty corner right here. And it'll be awesome and I love you and it's great and, and you know, I got all this other stuff, but when I, come, when I need you, you're right here and it's super great. But then as soon as 
I, I need other room in my foot. Jesus, you're going to have to go because I need this corner. You see, well, there's, there's, there's a divided heart. One of the things have to win. You can either have the pleasures and the things of the world, or you can have Jesus, but you can't have both. In high school, I led the, my, the first person I ever led to the Lord was in high school. And I led him to the Lord, and he was super on fire. He started coming to church with me. We were reading books about Jesus together. He was passionate about sharing the gospel with his mom and dad because they weren't believers. He was so on fire. And over the course of the next year, he went from being a freshman to a sophomore and started being a little more cool and being invited to those parties and wanting to hang out with those girls and do all these other things. He began to realize that he couldn't have Jesus the way he knew he should, and have these other things. And eventually he proved that the thorns choked out his faith. The world, the things that promised him satisfaction choked out his faith. He walked away. Because deep down he believed what people with this kind of soil believe, that when the world says this will make you happy, this will satisfy you, this will fulfill you, they believe that lie. They start following Jesus and get excited, but quickly other things, interest, and for their hearts. And eventually the other stuff wins out. The hard heart, the rootless heart, the divided heart, and then finally Jesus paints us a picture of the good soil. Verse 8 says, Other seeds fell on the good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. See, the seeds of the gospel never penetrate the ground of the hardened heart. The seeds of the gospel never, never take deep root in the rocky soil, and so they wither and dry up. The, the seeds of the gospel grow up in the thorny soil, but they get choked out and don't live long. But in the good soil, not only does the plant grow, but it bears fruit. It doesn't just grow, it bears fruit. You see, when the gospel is planted in the right heart, it grows deep roots. So that when difficult days come, when trials come, you, you'll bend, but you'll never break. When the world promises you the good life, you don't kick Jesus out to make more room for the world. Instead, you remove the world to make more room for Jesus. When the gospel takes root in your heart, it grows, it flourishes, and it bears fruit. But what fruit does it produce? A heart that is deeply rooted in the gospel produces faith in Christ, produces repentance, a heart that is rooted in the gospel produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Kids, the fruit of the Spirit's not a banana, but it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It produces a servant's heart, a generous heart, a self-sacrificing heart, a heart that dies to self. The point is simple. When the gospel takes root in your heart, you are changed, you are different, you bear fruit. When I was growing up, I had two apple trees in my backyard. Do you know how I know I had two apple trees in my backyard? Because there were apples all over the ground all the time, and they had bees all over them. And when there wasn't bees, I'd pick them up and throw them at stuff. When they were almost rotten, you throw them at stuff and they explode. I know there were apple trees in my backyard because there were apples. Do you know what other trees that I had in my backyard? I have no earthly idea because they didn't have any fruit hanging from them. Now, Nathan has this ability to look at trees and look at the leaves of trees and go, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a German maple right there or whatever. And I'm like, you just made that up. But most of us 
When we look at a tree, the only way we can tell what it is is by the fruit that hangs off of it. And the way you know someone truly believes in Christ, that they're deeply rooted in the gospel, is by the fruit they produce. Thank you, Lewin. It is by the fruit they produce. Many of you in this room, you have friends and coworkers and family members. You have people in your lives who do not believe the gospel. And you could look at them and you could say, oh, I know they don't believe because they have a heart that has a soil that's hardened or they have a soil that's rocky or thorny. I can see why they don't believe because of this or that. And the only way to get the gospel into their heart is to not change the message. It's not, oh, you know, we just gotta, we gotta repackage the gospel to get it in there, right? That's not how we're gonna do it. And it's not to get a different messenger. Oh, they won't listen to me, so let me, let me get my other per- this other person to go share it. Maybe they'll listen to him. That's not going to do it. The only way isn't to change the messenger or the message, but the soil. Changing the seed or the sower won't do it, but the, you got to change the soil, and you and I can't do that. You and I cannot till the soil of the human heart to make it ready to receive the seeds of the gospel so that it grows and grows fruit, but God can. Jesus is the true sower who can prepare the soil to receive the gospel. At the end of our story, Jesus ends it with the words and he says, he who hears, he who has ears to hear, let them hear. He who has ears, now it's not that he looked out and saw people who didn't have ears. What does he mean? He who has ears, let him hear. The problem is that there are so many people who hear what we're saying but can't hear it that they are hardened against the gospel they they don't want anything to do with it or that it's already grown up in them and been choked out been burned out we can shout it we can say it but they won't get through to them and the problem is the soil of their heart their heart is not ready to hear or receive it the next verse the, the, the disciples ask jesus a really important question they say jesus why is it you teach in parables And he gives them a long explanation, but the first line of it I think is really important. He says, the reason I speak in parables, first thing, he says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. You see, he tilled the soil of his disciples' hearts so that when when he was ready to share his message with them, they believed it. He tilled the soil of the disciples' hearts so that when the gospel came, the seeds of the gospel came to the heart, they took deep root and grew and bore much fruit. And so this is good news for us because it means it's not our fault when we can't convince people enough to believe. But it also is good news because the hardest hearts are able to be tilled and softened by our Lord Jesus Christ. It means that God can take the hardest hearts, the worst soils, he can till them, he can soften them, he can pull the rocks up, he can chop the thorns away so that the gospel takes root. So church, let us begin to pray like that. When we want to share the gospel with someone at our our work or in our family, let's pray beforehand, God, would you prepare the soil of their heart? Would you soften their hearts that it might receive the gospel? That it would take deep root because only God can prepare the heart who receive it. Ezekiel 36, God made a promise to his people who were in exile. He said, I will take your hearts of stone and I will give you hearts of flesh. I will take your heart of stone and I will give you hearts of flesh. 
I will prepare the soil of your heart to receive me. See, Jesus is the master farmer. If he prepares a heart to receive the gospel, then we must look out because in a few years you will find a massive tree of faith bearing fruit for the whole world to see. How do you know if someone truly belongs to God? You will know that. You will know they belong to God because you will see their fruit. And if you don't see any fruit, be cautious because they may be planted in rocky soil and thorny soil or maybe those truths were stolen away by the birds on the hard rock. You see their fruit? You'll know. I know where that comes from. I know what's behind that. I know where the roots are. The roots are in Jesus. Their lives will show you where they belong. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you planted us. You planted the gospel in the good soil of hearts and our hearts that you tilled and prepared. God, our hearts were hardened and uh, set against you until you softened them so that we would receive you. We thank you for that. Lord, if there's anyone in this room whose heart is hard against you, we pray you would soften it. If there's anyone in this room who the thorns of the world are trying to choke out following you, we pray that you would cut them down. If there's anyone in this room who has not grown deep roots and trials and tribulations are going to cause them to want to walk away, we pray that you would remove the, the, the obstacles in their heart to get them to grow deep roots. Father, for those in this room who have loved ones and friends and neighbors and coworkers who don't belong to you, who don't follow you, I pray that you would give them the boldness and the courage to share their faith, to share the gospel with them. And would you go before them, preparing their hearts to receive the seeds of the gospel that they must plant. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. All those people said?